Welcome to Read My Lips Radio, a lively hour of unscripted conversations with savvy creatives. Producer and host, a.k.a. Radio Red, asks novelists, artists, photographers, designers, comedians, actors, musicians, composers, screenwriters, directors, and technology innovators about their creative passion, inspirational muses, and how they create. Ooh, how those lips can talk. Now, here's AKA Radio Red. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Welcome to Read My Lips. I love my conversations with creatives. Just call me Red. We're here on the Voice America Variety Channel. Happy to be here today. It is the 13th of July. In case you're wondering, it's the 194th day of the Gregorian calendar. It's a leap year, so it's really 195th. And there are 171 days left till the end of 2020. Personally, I can't wait to get this year over with. So as I like to say, if you have something favorite you want to drink, imbibe, whatever is in it at the end of the year the minute your local liquor store opens or just order something online get it now because there's going to be a rush for good stuff for new year's eve this is the show where i talk to all those good creatives that was the voice of ryan treasure the vp of everything i call him vp of technology and operations at voice america and my good friend i love talking to creative people because to me creativity rules us it rocks us it gives us freedom it changes the world. Anybody can do something by the book, but the people who see the possibilities, who see the energy, who see the way to change things, even just for themselves, and then it impacts the world. And I have two of those lovely creatives with me today. I'm so happy. Let me tell you a little bit about them, and then we'll go through the famous birthdays. I've got some really weird holidays for you today. First up, we're going to be meeting Jessica Klingbaum. She is a certified aromatherapist, meaning she's an essential oils expert and educator. Her company name is really cool. Be hip and healthy. Who wouldn't want that? And she spent 20 years, more than 20 years as an Emmy nominated TV producer, as Jessica likes to say, because network news to essential oils is the next natural step, right? And we're going to learn about essential oils and how creative she has gotten. She has a lovely little ebook she sent me that is just beautifully illustrated. We're going to learn about lavender and peppermint and lemon oil and what you can do with them. And hopefully it will inspire you or you can just sit there and think about those lovely scents while you're listening to Jessica on the show. And we're going to learn what we can do with them. Apparently lavender has been shown to reduce sadness. And right now in the world, we need to relieve and alleviate sadness. So we'll talk about lavender. My second guest today, and we're going to have a conversation with both of them. Her name is Susan Corso. Her letters after her name are DD. She's an omnifaith metaphysician. She's a certified Reiki master. Susan, I picked that up from your bio online. She's the author of a book called God's Dictionary. She's had a spiritual counseling practice more than 35 years, but why she's here is because she is an author of a really cool set of thriller novels. They're called The Mex Mysteries, and her character is Mex Stone, Mexicali Rose Stone, and we're going to talk all about, she sent me the one called Gypsy Chicks. I have the ebook. I've been going through it. And Susan told me that she writes like I talk. It's a stream of free association. It just keeps coming. Her character, Mechstone, is 
a fascinating person, a femme, a woman. We'll find out about that aspect. People coming and going in and out of her life. And she's an intuitive investigator in murder mysteries that happen to do with Broadway. And she finds solutions sometimes in the lyrics of the show tunes. If that isn't a whole ball of yarn wrapped up in a really, really pretty ball, a pretty ribbon, actually. I don't know what is. So we're going to find out what makes Susan Corso tick and what makes Jessica Klingbaum tip. I have to do a shout out, of course, to LLL, lovely lanky Laura Legs, our most loyal listener. That's a heck of a lot of L's. Laura, I'm convinced that Whitestone, New York is Long Island because I have to say Long Island because it starts with an L, not Whitestone where you really live. So forgive me on that. We have some famous birthdays today. I only picked the ones who are living now. We have, I'm going to go from the youngest to the oldest. Ken Jeong, American actor, comedian, and physician, I believe, fresh off the boat is his series. Cameron Crowe, very well-known director, producer, and screenwriter. Happy birthday to both. Louise Mandrell, American singer, songwriter, and actress. She's Barbara Mandrell's sister. The better known one is Barbara. Cheech Marin, who doesn't know Cheech and Chong, American actor and comedian. Now, what about the guy who invented the Rubik's Cube? We have to say happy birthday to Erno Rubik. He's a Hungarian game designer, architect, and educator. If he doesn't embody creativity, I don't know what does. Uh, Harrison Ford, a wonderful actor, very, very charming and engaging and forceful in so many movies. Happy birthday, Harrison Ford. And happy birthday they also to English actor, director, and producer Patrick Stewart. You all know who he is. Now the holidays. Listen up. This is really cool. Yesterday, I don't usually do the previous day, but these were too good to be true. Sunday, July 12th this year, National Different Colored Eyes Day. It's called a weird holiday. Also, it was National Pecan Pie Day yesterday. It was Paper Bag Day yesterday. It was Eat Your Jello Day. No references to anybody we don't want to talk about. And today... Everybody get ready. It may not be healthy, but it's fun. It's National French Fry Day. It's an unofficial holiday celebrating the tasty deep fried potato treat that can be eaten alone, paired with burgers or covered in chili and cheese and eaten with a fork. I don't know who made that one up. Today is also National Beans and Frank Day and National Delaware Day. I'm sure that's important. Tomorrow, Le 14 Juillet is... I promised I wouldn't sing and my guests aren't too mad at me. It's Bastille Day in France. So there. Now, without further ado, it is my pleasure to introduce my guests. I'm going to ask each of you to introduce yourself a little bit with a full bio. Take about two and a half minutes or so and we'll go around the table. Jessica Klingbaum, welcome to Read My Lips. How are you, Jessica? I'm good. Thank you. Thank you so much for the opportunity. So, um, I mean, my bio is a little bit of what you've said. I spent more than 20 years as a network news TV producer here in New York City. Um, loved it until I didn't really love it anymore. Um, but while I was working in news, I was introduced to essential oils, which is seemingly sort of random, but my sister had gotten me into it and finally convinced me to try them for stress and sleep, both of which were suffering. I was suffering from because of the, you know, duties of my job. My hours were crazy and it was just a very stressful career. And um, after a few years of using them more and more, when, when it worked so well and I started sleeping so much better so quickly, I started looking into, well, what could I use for, you know, allergies or headaches or stomach aches, all the things. And after a few years, I decided that that was really, I was more passionate about that than I actually was about the content of the shows that I was running. And um, ended up leaving my job, became a certified aromatherapist, as you mentioned, 
and now basically just share the power and benefits of essential oils with people who have heard the expression and the words essential oils, but literally have no idea what they are, what they can do and what you can use them for. My guess is that you love your work. Is that true, Jessica? That is true. That is true for so many different reasons. Um, but mostly because I, I feel like I have all of these things at my fingertips that I already know what the benefits are and can feel the difference for myself, for my family. So it's really wonderful. Do you consider yourself a creative? I do. Do you? I do. I definitely do. Good. Thank you. Welcome, Jessica. And I met Jessica at the virtual National Publicity Summit a couple months ago, and I was so taken with you and how charming and engaging you are and your commitment to oils and education had to have you on the show. So welcome and thank you for being with me today. And now let's go to my second guest, Susan Corso. Susan and I have not met until about, oh, about 17 minutes ago, Susan was referred to me by a recent guest here on the show, Christian de la Huerta, who leads uh, retreats all around the world. Fascinating man. Susan, talk to us. I just gave a little snippet of your bio. Tell us the big stuff in your bio. Who are you? And I hope you consider yourself creative because you embody it. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Renaissance creative, creative Ah. about all kinds of things and all kinds of different things. Um, I've been a spiritual counselor for 35 years, and I never set out to do that, but it happened to me. And I went, oh, well, I guess I, I guess I better be serious about this. So I too, like you read, believe that creativity changes the world and that each human being is completely made of creativity if we will find it. But we have assigned creativity to the art world right, to the, the creative people, the talented people, the ones with the muse, right? So, well, I've been a writer since I was hmm, seven. I have the first essay I ever wrote. I was nine when I wrote it. Um, and it's <laughs> one of the sentences is, I like to think about fairies and witches. <laughs> and I still like to think about fairies and witches, except that now I write fiction instead of actual fairies and witches. But I had finished a nonfiction book called Circles of Peace, which was how to apply a practice of peace in difficult situations in your life. And I heard a voice say to me, are you going to write my story now? It was uh, Valentine's Day. And I I, I said, well, um, I guess so. (laughs) And 11 days later, there was 350 pages of a novel sitting on my table And I had to pay someone to dig out my car because I was snowed in. I never set out to write a novel. A novel happened to me. On my way home from the mountains after they dug my car out, I stopped in a Barnes and Noble to um, go to the ladies room and saw a book called Scottish Witchcraft Today. Well, the first book was called Oklahoma Hex and it was about the musical Oklahoma. Scottish Witchcraft Today, I walked past the book on my way to the ladies' room, came back, grabbed the book, and realized that the second book was about Brigadoon. <laughs> and I went, oh, oh. well, because I thought it was just a one-off. You know, I, I, wasn't, I wasn't intending to be a novelist. Well, now I've written 10 of them, seven are published. Um, I'm working on the rights for the Legally Bond. It's called the eighth one. Um, And I take 
different scenarios with musicals and find the creativity that's already in them, but the Mm -hmm. spiritual meaning underneath all of that. Thank you, Susan. Fascinating question for you. How, what is your relationship to Broadway? You're writing about mysteries that are involved with it. You find the creativity. I know from your bio that the, that Mex Stone, your, your heroine or your whatever you want to call her, uh, that she finds the solutions in lyrics. So what's your background? Do you, have you ever been in a show? Have you ever sang and danced on stage? Yes, what's your relationship yes, with Broadway? Yes, yes. Um, I was the original New York employee for Cameron McIntosh. And Cameron McIntosh produced Cats and Les Miserables and Miss Saigon and big Broadway musicals. I worked on Broadway, I worked on Little Shop of Horrors, I worked on all kinds of big shows. And um, I knew that I was intuitive from the time I was a child, but I spent a long, long time trying not to be because it's kind of hard to be intuitive when you see energy around people all the time. And I, I can, I've learned over the years to turn it off. But when I was younger, I couldn't turn it off. So I would know what was happening in a person's life and whose boyfriend had broken up with them. And I mean, it was crazy. So I, I worked on Broadway Absolutely loved it. Have always loved musicals. And when it was time for my intuition to come roaring back into my life, I was 25. And it was like the barn doors in Kansas blew wide open. I mean, I I, I didn't know what had happened to me. And then suddenly people started coming to me and saying, can you help me with this? Can you help me with that? I have an audition and I have a sore throat. Can you help me not have a sore throat so that I can go to my audition? Sure. I didn't know how I did it. I did though. And in fact, the actor who came to see me with the sore throat had his, had an audition for McDonald's and it paid for his writing life for 10 years. I had a sore throat for five days, but he went off and was fine. Well, then I had to learn how not to get the sore throat myself. Right. So it's been a huge um, learning curve on how to manage intuition. And the the easiest way is to help other people with it. Absolutely fascinating. Susan, I've had other intuitives on my shows over the years, and I've heard a similar story. They discovered it when they were very young. They hid it, or they buried it, or they didn't tell their spouse when they were old enough. They didn't want to frighten them away. They didn't know what the power was, what to do with it, and then finally they embraced it, if you will, their own coming out to themselves and accepted Mm -hmm. it and did something with it. Jessica, talk. I see you want to say something here. Join us. No, I'm just fascinated by by what it is that you're saying. The whole like the power of intuition. I just think it's so interesting as someone who's not intuitive. I, oh, I can't wait, even wait, imagine. Wait. I would who, argue that. I would argue that. Well, I, I you have to use your intuition. Yes, but I'm saying, but to the to the extent that you have it where you're looking at people and you can kind of know what's going on and that kind of thing. I mean, I'm just that I just find that fascinating. <laughs> it, it well, is. I teach people how to do it. So well, maybe. Right. And, and Susan, are you are you still in New York or where are you now, Susan? I live in Kingston, New York, so I'm 90 miles straight north. Okay. And Jessica, where are you? I'm in New York City, but not, not near the Catskills, very close to, you know, not close to Susan, but I'm in Manhattan. 
Okay. And I was in Great Neck for 32 years before I moved here to North Carolina two and a half years ago. So we're all we're New all Yorkers. Fuckers. We're all New Yorkers. That's why we're talking fast and we're so enthusiastic. <laughs> there you go. So Jessica, I'd like to focus on your lovely book. Um, your your company is Be Hip and Healthy, Everyday Healthy Habits. I have uh, version three of your book. I'm not sure what the other two were, but let's talk a little bit. I know Susan will enjoy hearing this as well as our listeners about lavender. Let's talk about peppermint and lemon. Can you give us a, an overview of how each one would be used. And I also want to know what are the oils? You talk about the oils, adding oil to this. And one rule is always use glass or stainless steel, never put any kind of essential oils and the the carrier oil, I think you call it into a plastic container. First of all, why is that? And second of all, take us through the flavors, please, Jessica. Okay. So, but really quickly. So just so that, you know, people have a little bit of an understanding essential oils, when you use those words, really all it is, is extracts from plants and different plants have different chemical properties that we learned about in, you know, third or fourth grade. And those properties are basically a plant's immune system. And it's what we talk about when we talk about essential oils, different plants have different properties that's why different essential oils have different properties and do different things. That's why you would use different oils for different things. So um, that was a lot of, uh, there are a lot of different things in those questions that you asked. The first one with regards to a carrier oil Mm -hmm. is because some people have sensitive skin and sometimes you just want to be careful when you're using something on your skin to make sure that you're not going to have any kind of an irritation or reaction to something So a carrier oil can help prevent that from happening. The mistake that people believe is that by using a carrier oil, it dilutes the efficacy of the benefits of the essential oils. That's not in fact the case. What it does is it prevents more of a barrier on your skin. So it allows the oils to absorb more slowly and with a slower absorption rate, there's just less of a chance of an irritation or reaction to it. So a fractionated coconut oil is my favorite kind of a carrier oil to use. The reason is because it's gone through a process of fractionation. That means it's liquid at even at room temperature. So anyone who cooks or anytime someone's used coconut oil, it's, it's generally a solid. So fractionated coconut oil is liquid all the time and it has no smell. So it doesn't compete with the scent of any of the oils. It's thin. It's not greasy. It's a great carrier oil to use. If someone doesn't have it, they can use jojoba oil. They can use grapeseed oil. There are lots of different carrier oil options. The reason why you don't want to use plastic, um, I should specify, if you went to the grocery store and you bought like a Poland Springs bottle, that kind of plastic mm-hmm. versus a plastic you know, water bottle that you're using that's a specific kind of plastic, you want, but you, but preferably glass is best because essential oils are extremely potent and pure. They're generally 50 to 70 times more powerful than herbs. So if you use essential oils in like a thin plastic flimsy container, it actually can eat through the plastic. So you really want to be careful and you really want to use glass containers and glass bottles, or you can use stainless steel water bottles, that kind of thing. Um, And then, like I said before, different oils have different properties. And so the reason why you would use a peppermint oil, which would be amazing for energy and um, to wake you up and for headaches, that's totally different than a citrus oil like lemon, which is going to help 
uplift you emotionally. Citrus oils actually can cheer us up. The whole idea of essential oils and why they work is because our sense of smell is so powerful and it helps control everything that's going on in our bodies. The science behind it, people may not necessarily be that interested in. They pass through the limbic system in your brain, but your limbic system is what controls your breathing, your um, your stress levels, your, um, you know, the, the way that you eat, literally everything. And so when you walk by an Italian restaurant and you smell, you know, pizza or garlic and your mouth starts watering, that's an involuntary reaction, right? Or when you walk into a spa and two seconds before you were standing on a busy street and you're all frazzled and you walk inside and you think, I'm so relaxed now. This is so Zen. It's sending signals to your brain, the scent that's in there. And it's saying, calm down now. That's the idea behind essential oils and how they work. So citrus oils have been proven to actually lift us up and make us happier. So someone who's feeling blue or feeling really sad about something, lemon oil or wild orange is a great way to go. Most people have heard that lavender is calming and soothing, and it's great to help you go to sleep at night. That's a huge oil that I've been working you know, with the last few months with people who people are so stressed out and dealing with so much anxiety and need to calm down these days. So that's the idea behind why different oils do different things. So I hope that's a little bit of a good explanation for you. That's a great overview. Thank you, Jessica. I have a couple of comments and then we're going to see if Susan has used any oils. I bet she has. But Jessica, a couple things. I'm I'm not going to get into too much detail, but many, 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 many years ago when I had my first child after childbirth, the nurses wanted me to be able to go to the bathroom. And I remember somebody brought a little bottle of peppermint. I'm pretty sure it was peppermint extract and handed it to me and said, inhale this, just sniff it right out of the bottle. And I did. And it just opened up and I was able to to go to the bathroom. We're, we're talking number one, if you want to get in. <laughs> they said, you know, because everything was all blocked up from child from the childbirth process. And I kept that bottle. I brought it home. They gave it to me as, as a part of my thanks for being in our hospital right. with us package. And I remember using it for a long time until it had dried up. It had evaporated. A neighbor recently told me, I'm in North Carolina. Uh, it's it's not rustic exactly. They're building everywhere here, but I have gardens in front and back and I'm understanding that there are ants and occasionally spiders and all kinds of things that still creep me out. I was a, an apartment dweller on Long Island and somebody told me if you spray peppermint oil with, I don't know what, with water in a spray bottle around your house, it will get rid of the spiders. Is that true, Jen? It is true. It is true. Peppermint oil repels insects. It's just one of those things. You know, um, a lot of times, you know, when it's hot out and in the summer, people will go out and they'll uh, use citronella. It's a Mm. similar kind of a thing, but peppermint oil, specifically spiders, ants, mice, it really does repel insects and rodents. So it's a great oil to use and it's perfect to put it in a spray bottle, mix it with water. You can spray it into the corners. You could put it on a cotton ball and kind of strategically place it in different areas that you need it to be. It absolutely is true. Can I cancel my contract with the exterminator company? (laughs) (laughs) Well, I don't know that it will stop. Like if you already have some kind of an infestation, you know, but no, it actually, it really definitely will um, prevent 
new ones from coming and, and kill the ones that are there. And I do have lavender spray, a pillow spray that I bought at TJ Maxx before, before the stores were closed. And once in a while, I'll spray it on my pillows and on my sheets before I go to bed. And it is just a lovely scent. Susan, you're nodding. What's your experience with oils? Do you use them? Have you heard of them? What do you do with them, Susan? I have heard of them. Um, I've, I've tended to use them mostly uh, when I'm asked to clear space for people. Hmm. invariably people um, don't under, they know that something's off in a physical space that they've had a fight with someone or their heart's been broken and they've come home and they have spent, you know, every night for six weeks crying or whatever. And physical spaces hold energy. God knows. In, in, I lived in New York city for a very long time and those tiny spaces where people live and they are right. They hold a lot of energy. So the uh, traditional mythology says that you you use sage to clear space. Sage only clears thoughts. It doesn't clear feelings, Mm. but essential oils clear feelings. So what do you use? Um, Often I use a blend of citrus, interestingly, um, not peppermint, but more... um, lavender and maybe uh, rose that will most particularly people have a lot of frustration that sticks around their electronics, Hmm. their phones, their computers, their um, modems, right? Uh, All that stuff. And I will, I will simply waft scent past computers and people just calm right down. The other place that people hold lots of tension is around the doors and windows because that's how you would escape if you were going to escape. Right. But in tiny spaces, you you don't escape. You don't know your neighbors. You don't, I mean, there, that's very rare for people in New York city to know their neighbors. Right. So really interesting to me that that will clear space. I also have used peppermint to banish energy to like, Mm. if someone feels haunted, if someone feels frightened or I've had people hired me to break a curse for them once, (laughs) I have some very odd experiences, Um, but essential oils, and I actually, it's, I don't use the same company that Jessica uses, um, but there is a company called Young Living Essential Oils that I'm sure you've heard of. And they do combination oils. So I will use Valor, for example, if somebody's got a bunch of um, job interviews that they're approaching or, and need clearing up. So yes, I've used a lot of essential oils and I find they're very soothing. I have to do a disclaimer to the audience. Jessica and Susan, to my knowledge, have not met before about 12 minutes before we went live this conversation is not rehearsed. I never asked Susan or told her about Jessica other than in the promo where she saw it. Jessica had no idea that Susan was a user of essential oils. I didn't know. And that's why I love these unscripted conversations with my creatives because we never know where we will go. There's always, I used to say, there's always a thread, a common thread of an experience or of a creative passion or what somebody is doing or thinking or feeling or where they they've been or where they grew up. There's always something I find with people who never met before. That's why I don't script these shows. That's why I don't do a prep call for these shows. I just cherish 
the live conversation. So I almost had goosebumps when you start talking about oil, Sarah. Uh, uh, Susan, because of what Jessica said, I'm saying, wait a minute, she's experienced. Really? And Jessica's eyes were just popping out. Wow. So- you should know that Jessica did not pay me. That's right. That's right. That's right. Jessica, were you surprised? Let me put you back on speaker. Jessica, were you surprised by what Susan said about how she uses oils? What was your reaction? I'm not that surprised. I mean, I'm more was curious to know which oils she's using. I don't have often people asking me like what oils to use to clear space. So if, and when I ever do, at least I have, you know, some recommendations there, but um, no, I, I think that given the experience that I have and, and hearing a little bit about Susan's background, I did have some thoughts that she probably had had some experience with essential oils, but not knowing to the extent and definitely find that it's so interesting that that's how you're using them. Well, I had no clue. And I felt I was taking a slight risk by putting Susan on the spot that that's totally worked. So I will do that sometimes. I don't want to pressure a guest, but I said, Susan, what's your, I just had a feeling she would say something, but I had no clue. That's why I love my conversations with my creatives because we just never know where they're going to go. Now we're going to focus our attention. Jessica, thank you for that. I don't know whether people call it a primer or a primer, and we will talk a little bit more. Susan, I want to focus on your book. Susan, with your permission, may I read the first two very short paragraphs in Gypsy Chicks? Of course. Is that, or do you want to read them? May I? No, you read them. Okay. Let me just, this will give my listeners a little bit of a taste, as we say in certain parts of the world, a four spice. Jessica knows that. Susan knows that too. They're smiling. I'm on Zoom. I can see these beautiful ladies and you can't, but I can see them and you can hear their enthusiasm and their passion and their voices. So here's what the book starts with. Live and let live, as they say in AA. Judgment is the great gift and the great bugaboo of the human experience. How irritating is that? I'm over judging other people for the most part, knowing full well where that lands me. Oh, no, it's not judging others that's the problem. It's judging and damning myself that's on deck for serious soul searching. Ouch is the short form. The afternoon was drowsy, humid. I sat on the crimson sofa, half in and half out of nap. Meditation, an alpha state. Not a creature was stirring, not even a mouse. And I had an ache in my heart. Susan, this is just... A beautiful way. Jessica, you get the idea. It's a beautiful way to start a book, Susan. So now, and, and I read this a couple of weeks ago when you first sent it to me and I thought, oh my God, I can't even follow it. I don't know who people are and what's going on. You've got Seraphim and you've got Xenophobia her, and you've got Gareth and you've got Daniel and Oliver and, and Patience and you've got the cats. And, and, and the pink room, I, I wanted to redecorate my house after I read about the pink room. <laughs> and my living room is almost all red, but I wanted to do more. So Susan, uh, tell us a little bit about how do you write these? You talked about Broadway and your experience. And, and, but what is the, how do you weave these thoughts? You just, I know you said a book appeared, 350 pages, and it just almost wrote itself. And I, I'm a playwright a little bit too, and I know how that happens. But how do you... When does it come to you? And by the way, the title of this episode, I forgot to say in the beginning, is called When the Damn, When the Creative Muse, okay, open the damn door when the creative muse knocks. That's the title. And I did it because I thought because of the two of you, the creative muse has knocked in your lives. And here we are. So sorry about that. I didn't even write it down, but I felt it. Susan, how do you do this? What, what's, what, what do you do? Sit down with your essential oils and say, I'm going to write a book. What do you do? (laughs) No, I'm sorry about that. Um, uh, No, what I do is this. Um, 
I, every single book has a social issue in it, a romantic issue in it, and a spiritual practice in it. And what I set out to do when I started writing these books, and I didn't realize it until long after the first one was written, but um, was to have spirituality and spiritual teaching be entertaining. We take it. I mean, spirituality is vital, important. I truly believe that everyone needs a spiritual practice. It doesn't matter to me what it is. It matters to me that it is. Fine. If you find God on the golf course, make a tea time. That's how I feel. But which makes me very odd as a minister, which is what the DD is. Divine, uh, uh, Doctor of Divinity. Doctor of Divinity. Listen to me. I can't even say my it's own. Okay. We're having too much fun. Go ahead. <laughs> well, so Mex is a recovering alcoholic. She's an intuitive investigator. And she's the person that the NYPD calls when they're stuck. When they're just, okay. So they, they do, this is what Mex says about herself, right? The NYPD does just the facts, ma'am. Mex does just the truth, ma'am. So she looks for the truth and makes the facts fit that. Whereas the NYPD looks for the facts and then they're looking for blame. Mex is never looking for blame. She's always looking for healing. Yes, people get thrown into jail when they murder other people. It's very, very bad karma, right? In Gypsy Chicks, there is a ring of pornographers that she is bound and determined to catch. She's talking to the IRS. She's talking to the feds. It turns out she's working with the feds and she doesn't even know she's working with the FBI until the very end when the drag queen stripper lets her know that his name is Darcy and he's a guy a straight guy, a straight married guy, who's also a cross-dresser. <laughs> so it makes, it makes people think, it makes people think about, oh, how does, spiritual, how does spirituality, and you know what, here's what I think it is. I think in the world these days, we're way too busy consuming information. I'm much more interested in the application of information. Fine, be spiritual, you know. Jessica has her essential oils. It would be lovely if they were just in, you know, a cupboard behind her, but they're not. She's applying them, she's using them. We don't do enough using of things to better ourselves. And that's what the purpose of the books is, is to get spiritual nourishment and spiritual challenge because Mex is always growing and she's always healing and she's always getting better. But now the way I write is different than anybody I've ever met. I was reading an author the other day. She called herself a discovery writer. And I thought, wow. And I used to say, I write to plot. Namely, I have the beginning. I have an AA saying, I have an idea of what spiritual thing Max is working on. I know who her various girlfriends, dates, boyfriends are. But then all I have is the musical and the lyrics of the songs. I have to figure out how that fits with 
what I'm doing with a social justice issue. In this particular case, it's sex workers with children, single moms with children, and Max and her friends end up raising a lot of money to build a house called Rosie's House for sex, so that sex workers can work at night and their children are safe. So I discover what's happening in the story as I write it. I don't pre-decide it. I don't outline it. I, but I do know this. I know that Max has never left a case unsolved. I don't know how she does it, but somehow through the musical and through the relationships, I find the thing that pulls them together. In this particular case, a showgirl um, has been found in a dumpster. And Max goes undercover as a stripper. Yep. To find out what's going on. Susan, I don't know if you've ever heard the term, but apparently it's a British term. I've, I've interviewed many, many authors. I, I love speaking to thriller novelists. I find that creativity fascinating, where they find the plot and the, the thread and how they carry it out and how they design when we will know certain facts and how much we will be along. And, well, we think we know who did it or who would have done it or might have done it. But anyway, there was uh, somebody talked, a British author told me about a year ago, there's something called Pantsers and Plotters. And if you look it up, you'll find it's a real thing. And a plotter is somebody who outlines their book in advance. They outline the chapters and the titles and everything is ready. And then when they're all done thinking through start to end or backwards could be the end to the start, then they sit down very easily and they fill in the details and write the book. A pantser is by the seat of the pants. They just say, I'm going to write. That's me. I had a feeling I'm going to write every day from eight in the morning till 10 o'clock. Then I'm going to take a break and walk around the block. I'm going to have my lunch, listen to my music, then I'm going to write from two to four and whatever comes out, comes out. Mm-hmm. Now we, we all know about writer's block. We've had books on it, TV shows on it. Uh, the, the, the wife whose husband is supposed to be on his third novel and his, uh, his agent is calling every two weeks. Where's the outline? He says, well, I'm thinking. And he says, damn, you have writer's block again. We all know about that. And that would probably be a pantser, a seat of the pants writer, because he didn't have the outline to, to fill in the book, maybe. So I thought you'd get a kick out of that. Um, I just want to read one more short part, if I may. And I, I want to get into just a little bit about Fem, because I know that that uh, Mex is, I'm not sure what she is. You say she was married. She was married to uh, Angelo Caldo, who oh. is a famous artist, a portrait artist. Mm-hmm. And she has a girlfriend uh, who passed away and she's involved with Seraphine, but it's not an intimate relationship yet. Although hugging and cuddling in bed is certainly intimate enough anyway. uh, And the cat. So I'm going to read this part. You say baby is my favorite love name. She was almost there. It gives me a bubbly belly. I know I said, giving her a moue. Oh, go ahead. I flung myself further into the crimson velvet. Prudence ventured a tentative white paw onto my black skirted lap presumably in order to return to her bath. If you're a white cat, there's no better place to bathe in the world than on a black skirt, unless it's a black cashmere bathrobe. Jessica, react to this. You haven't read the book. Jessica, what do you think? Is this crazy good? It's so descriptive. Yes. I mean, I like it's. it gives you such the visual of what you're saying, which obviously is like whatever, I, I mean, for myself and probably a lot of people, right? Like what you're looking for in books that you can kind of, really get that vision of exactly what you're talking about and you see the room. And I think it's, yeah, it's wonderful. 
It's wonderful. Susan, do you have any training in writing or this is just comes from your heart and your spiritual side and your counseling over the years? Um, you mean, did I take a class or? Yes. Yes. Did you take a class? I didn't think so. No. (laughs) I'm Um, curious to know how your publisher, like if you don't know where the book is going, how are you working with them of like what it's going to end up being? Um, well, <laughs> well, once you've done several of them and they've all worked out, eventually yeah. the demand goes away, right? I used to think that I should know what was going to happen. And I, I always say at the in my process, I say, you know what? I do know what's going to happen. She's going to solve the case, right? She's going to make some choice about whoever she's dating. And she's going to live to tell the story again, right? She's completely sober and she's been sober for years and years and years, which is really important. She inherited her mother's money and her grandmother's money. So she's not a big worry about finances. So for me, it's more about how can I bring spirituality to bear on social issues that need our attention? So right now, I'm writing one called Shrew This. And it's about Taming of the Shrew. Shakespeare, right? But it's taking place in a domestic violence shelter. Mm. Now, I was writing Shrew This long before COVID was even a dream to us, right? Well, but domestic violence has skyrocketed in the last four months since COVID started. It's the perfect time. Now, I don't know how I know that stuff, but I do. That's where my intuition kicks in. The next one after that is called Pippin Requiem. It takes place in prison. So I'm studying about prisons and what the mass incarceration world has done and what abolition is and all that kind of stuff. And on top of it, and this answers your question, Red, Mex is a high femme, which means she is a very, very, very feminine lesbian, which means that she only is interested in a particular kind of lesbian. So like the the lesbian in the Birkenstock sandals and the jeans and the flannel shirts, no, no, no. She is very attracted to very masculine seeming women. So women who might even be called he, they might pass, they might um, be perfectly happy to be called sir and just delighted at that, right? So that she's, and, and she's a high femme. So of course, nobody ever knows she's a lesbian unless she tells them, right? Which is my own experience in my own life because nobody ever knows about me until I say, yeah, 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 I know, I know, I know. <laughs> fine, just no thanks, right? But part of the reason I made her a femme other than the fact that I am is that spiritual teachers come everywhere. You don't have to have a collar. I have a collar. I can wear it. I can do all that. I used to call it the bat dress, right? (laughs) The, the, The robe and all that. I can do all that stuff. But you know what? I learn from the newspaper. I learn from- Learn from life. 
Yeah, from a young lady who's teaching me about essential oils on on a radio show. And then there you, know, you go. Who knows? Jessica, you're part of her education now. <laughs> Susan, I'm looking, I'm looking at the clock. We've got 10 minutes till the end. This is certainly flying, but I want to read one more little piece here from the beginning of chapter four about food. Jessica was saying how descriptive it is. Well, I'm going to read you a description that's going to make your mouth water. And Jessica, we know that essential oils make people think. And since you said you put walk past a restaurant, the garlic or, or some other scent makes you think. <laughs> I gave up red meat over 40 years ago and I still walk by a steak restaurant. I say, oh my God, what did I do? But turkey <laughs> burgers have to suffice. So uh, I remember growing up with rare steaks on the barbecue in the backyard of our summer house and the baked potato with all the sour cream on it and the grape juice. And I remember all that good stuff. Anyway, let me just read this little bit of chapter four. I think you're going to love this. Am I pronouncing it Zenny, right? That's That was her gypsy. Zenny, that's correct. Gypsy cook and housekeeper, Zenny. X-E-N-N-I, short for Zenny. Xenophobia. Zen- no, Zenobia. Zenobia. I, all right, I missed it. I'm sorry. Zenobia. <laughs> I apologize. Okay, my bad, my bad. Here's, here's the, the language. Zenny had, as usual, outdone herself. Fried chicken without a speck of grease. No idea how she did that. Red potato salad, German potato salad, corn on the cob, a huge green salad. Homemade biscuits with creamery butter. A plate of fudge brownies demanded ice cream for dessert. For an instant, contentment overwhelmed me. Zenny, I said, thank you, as always. No thanks necessary, ma'am. Oh, but it is, I said, as I watched these people, the family I had been slowly choosing since Mama died, fill their plates with food and appreciation. I was last after Zenny. They knew me well enough to know that I never eat, that I don't pray first. Susan, that's just, Jessica, are you hungry? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, honestly, the descriptions are, it's really, it's incredible. Yep. Thank you. Susan, how do you come up with all the names of your characters? I have to ask you, you've got so many. And then we have the cop name, Michael Kelly. I know, Michael Ryan Kelly. Okay. So I have an incredible collection of books. And when I can't think of a name, when a name doesn't just fly into my mind, I get up and I read the authors of the books and I pick them out of nowhere like that. Like in Legally Bond, which is the one that I'm working on getting the rights to, to publish now. um, All of the names are names of people who, whose families were on the Mayflower, right? Because it takes place at Harvard. So of course, the, the Harvard boys have that sort of um, antecedents, right? So, pedigree. Okay. The pedigree. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. right. So, so all the names are members of um, the Mayflower, people who came over on the Mayflower. Okay. Fascinating. Fascinating. I will tell you briefly that I wanted to write a romantic comedy many years ago when I was on Long Island. And uh, I looked up playwriting 101 and somebody had a form susan and jessica it was a a text document a word document and it had the right fonts the right spacing the right where do you center and it it walked me through it you lay out the scenario first and then you describe your characters and then you start with act one scene one you set the background and then you do the dialogue and it was basically a pro forma it was wonderful like a formula so i sat down and wrote it took me about Three days, I started writing at one o'clock in the morning after my work day when I call it when the world is quiet is when I was thinking. I polished off the whole thing in a couple of days. And 
Uh, I produced it with community actors for my television show, Something to Talk About on Long Island. And uh, I told the, these actors, actresses, they wouldn't have to learn lines. We would have teleprompters for them because they were all busy acting in multiple plays. And they were doing me the honor of acting out my play. So we did green screen in the studio. It took place with two people who met on a really, really crazy singles website, dating site. And they met in front of Penn Station wearing look like Groucho glasses with fake noses. And they only knew each other by a number and not a name. So my producer, <laughs> George in New York, went to Manhattan and he shot video out of the moonroof of his car driving around with the sounds and sights of what would be behind a taxi in New York with the sounds of the buses and the cabs sure. and the people. And he shot footage in front of Penn Station. And so he, he, we, we had a picture of a car that we could get from the inside. It was all digital. And they sat on two boxes covered with green fabric in an empty studio. And they were inside the cab. They got into the cab. They could get out of the cab. It was just getting off a bench. And I wrote it. It was a three-act play. And I, I've used it here in my community. I had something called, well, What's So Funny was the name of my first TV show because I, I did stand-up and improv for years. I used to invite those, those friends to come and, and do those kinds of sketches with me on my TV show. So um, what was I trying to say? So what was I going to do? Um, I can't remember. I just lost my thread. But anyway. Right play. It was a bad, I know that, but I, I lost the thread of where I was in the process. Oh, so I started a thing called What's So Funny Here? Thank you. And it was a cold reading, uh, reading salon, I called it. And I invited residents to sign up. We had about 20, 25 at a time. And I handed out scripts to comedy shows. You know, Roald Dahl has wonderful little short scripts of fractured fairy tales and that kind of thing. And I included one of my plays and I printed it out and I said to people, okay, here's act one, two, three. I didn't tell them it was mine. Come up to the table, pick a title that interests you, spend five minutes reading it and then volunteer when you get up and you read it either as a single or a group. Well, People were picking my play without realizing it was mine. And I got to tell you, I'm sitting there laughing my you-know-what's off because it was really funny. And I said to myself, oh, my God, I wrote that about eight years ago. I wrote that. I I wrote that and I it know. was all right. So, you know, the feeling and Susan, it just <laughs> poured. It just came. It didn't need a lot of finessing or work. And I did two more plays like that. That process of the book, right now I do art. I have over 50 paintings in my home. I just sit down and say to the brushes, tell me what you want me to do. I do uh, watercolor, water, watercolors and tube watercolors. I use fabrics. I use pieces of collages of pieces from packaging from chocolate chips and beer cans and and uh, packaging from the flowers I buy at the store they come in a, in a nice green thing that keeps the water from dripping on the floor in the in the grocery store my lilies and I cut out the patterns in these green cases these green cellophanes and I paste them onto a canvas and then I design around them I've never painted in my life and I can do a painting in three to four hours and I have no idea what I did, where it came from, and nothing. So anyway, it's the creative process is fascinating. Enough about me. Let's go through with a quick prediction. We've got three minutes. I've just heard from Josh till the close. So Jessica Klingbaum, I'm so delighted to have you. I'm so impressed by you, your diligence, and you are so smart about oils. Jessica, where will you be? Let's do a quick prediction. Got about 60 seconds for you, 60 for Susan, then I'm going to close. Where do you, what do you think you're going to be doing in the next, I don't know, year? What do you think? Uh, I have a couple of businesses in the works, um, and I also, uh, totally unrelated, recently wrote a book. <laughs> 
having nothing to do with essential oils. Yes. And so um, I will always continue doing what I'm doing because I really am passionate about it. I fully believe in the power and the benefits of essential oils. And I love sharing that with other people. So that's definitely not going to stop. But I have some other businesses coming down the pike as well that I'm super excited about. I want you to stay in touch with me. Susan Corso, okay. 60 seconds. Feed me, fast, fast, go. Um, I'm in the middle of writing three different books at the moment. And I am in the process of putting together a podcast tour to promote Max more than I ever have before. And this is its inauguration, which is very exciting. Um, and I think that it's time for me to start to do a little more public teaching, which I'm very excited about. Well, thank you both, ladies. It has thank been you, such a delight to have you both on. Susan, please thank Christian for referring you to me. I told you I wasn't interested. I didn't have any slots. And then I said, get back to me in the summer. And you did. And I had a cancellation. And here you are. So thank you, Jessica. Lovely to meet you. And I want you to both stay in touch. Stay on. I'm going to, we're going to end the show in a minute. Uh, everybody wave. I think we have about 30 seconds left one. And we want to do a shout out to Josh at voiceamerica.com variety channel. Josh, thank you for being our engineer on Monday nights. I really appreciate you. Jessica Klingbaum, just keep being beautiful, wonderful, smart. You, <laughs> thank you. just keeping beautiful, smart, smart, wonderful. You, there you go. I, I think the world of you, I love talking to my creatives. And now you two are my creatives. 30 seconds to go. Let's just wish the world be safe, be smart, make the right decisions. Don't take risks. We know it's real. And we want everybody back here for the next show next Monday night. Radio Red signing off. Bye-bye. Wave, ladies. Bye. Bye. Thanks again for tuning in to Read My Lips Radio presented by the Voice America Variety Channel. Tweet your questions and comments to at Radio Red 777. Join host aka Radio Red again next Monday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time, 7 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Variety Channel. We wish you a positively cool creative week. again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the voice america variety channel for more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest please visit VoiceAmericaVariety.com. the voice america talk radio network is the worldwide leader in live internet talk radio visit VoiceAmerica.com. the views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the voice america talk radio network it's staff and management. Now there's a new destination for video content. VoiceAmerica.tv. Just like our radio channels and so much more. Voice America Variety, Health and Wellness, Business, Sports, Green Talk, Power Up Motorsports, and 7th Wave Network now have their own video channel components. Plus, check out exclusive programming, including movies, music, educational courses, science and history, current events, and short features. High-definition, premier-quality programs available 24-7. VoiceAmerica.tv. If you think you've seen online TV like this before, let us surprise you. In the spirit of Have Couch, Will Travel, 
Dr. Carol Lieberman creates a haven of sanity in an increasingly insane world. Each day we are bombarded with news of events that have never crossed our wildest nightmares. Society is spiraling out of control and everyone is reeling from it. But now there's an answer. The best way to keep sane in this insane world is to tune in to Dr. Carol's Couch on Voice America. Dr. Carol, a certified media psychiatrist, will broadcast live from her Beverly Hills office every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific time. Call or log in and get help with whatever is sending you reeling whenever you need a soothing voice to calm and advise you. That's Dr. Carol's Couch every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific time here on America's Voice, voiceamerica.com. The latest business information is made simple with the Voice America Business Network. The professionals in the business world bring you live talk radio shows featuring an array of business topics, strategies for building wealth, sales and marketing, stock trading, investing, and business technology. Voice America business hosts are professionals in their fields and bring to the airwaves weekly business discussions that offer up-to-date information, advice, and education. The Voice America Business Network. The bottom line in business talk. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. 